Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are speaking with master trainer, Chris Kadowski. Chris has been a strength and conditioning coach for the last 20 years, training everyone from Navy SEALs to pro athletes and even your modern day housewives. He is dubbed the body architect and he has a master's in kinesiology from the University of Hawaii, but has educated himself and become Come proficient in all aspects of health and wellness. He lives and runs his business, Influential Health Solutions in South Florida. We get into some pretty deep dive conversations as two people who are both have been in the field. I've been in the field of kinesiology for so many years, and it goes into a number of different directions as we talk all things about compassion, how to handle challenges in our life when things don't go as planned and how to master our own spirits. So no matter what challenges we are facing, that we can bring our best self forward every single day to the circumstances that we're facing. And we get into the whole thing of everything in life is energy. So the sooner we learn to reflect and not react when everything is going, not the way we planned is the way that we can conserve our energy and be the most productive in our own lives and help us to have our own transformations. This is a really powerful and vulnerable conversation, and I know you're going to love it. Welcome to the show today, Chris. It's great to have you here. It's absolutely wonderful and doubly fantastic to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Let's get started so people can get to know a little bit more about you. Where are you from? I'm from Buffalo, New York. Traditionally, I grew up there 24 years, absolutely hated the snow. Um, let me re- retract that. I absolutely hated the cold. Yeah. Okay. I liked the snow for a little bit and then intensely disliked it when you got around like January, February, something like that. And then March and April and then May. <laughs> when it snowed in May, it's like, I, I'm just like, I hate my life. I got to get out of here. Uh-huh. <laughs> East coast. I mean, we're Canada, but we're still East coast. And that's, yep. I know what you're talking about. We actually yeah. have beautiful, it's like 15 degrees weather right now, okay. but I know it's not staying like it's sunny yeah. right now. It's we'll get, we get snow in April. We get snow in May. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. And it's just like, it's like, come on, man. Like we, it was just 70 degrees yesterday. <laughs> and then next, the next day it's 31 and like, you know, freezing rain with a little bit of flurries. It's hard. It's so yeah. it's so mentally hard. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't mean to like make it sound that I absolutely abhor Buffalo, New York, because it definitely gave me the mental toughness and fortitude that I have today. And you know, I lived in Hawaii for 10 years and now I've been in Florida for 10 years. And um 
it, it's just, it makes me appreciate this weather so much more every single day, even during the summer when it's like 90 degrees, but the real feel is like 110 because of the humidity. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I go outside and I sweat. Sure. Of course. But I'm just like, I love the heat. I do. I, I, I absolutely love it. So no, I love the heat. I absolutely, I, I do love it. So I can relate to everything that you're saying because it can be quite interesting here when you're dealing with the different fluxes in temperature. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, now are you a reader? Absolutely. Okay. Could you share an impactful book, something that has had an impact on you? Oh man. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I don't know if people are ready for this one. Sure. We are. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, think it was last week, Monday, I finished a book by Greg Braden called the science uh, walking between the world, the science of compassion Ooh. that absolutely floored me. Okay. And uh, blew my mind and uh, made me think completely differently about this thing that we called compassion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'll share two different, um, I guess you could say ideas okay. that he had in the book with you and your audience. First one is a little bit more profound from th- than the second, but <clears throat> on the astral plane, they, they carry the same amount of weight, I would probably say. So here it goes. His idea is that can we have enough compassion in our heart, in our mind, and in our life to realize this? Lucifer was an archangel and he was always at the right hand of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Instead of him falling or being cast away from God and turning into what we now know as the devil, okay? What if through the utmost incredible and intense compassion, Lucifer as an archangel agreed to help God out and become this most intense and evil being, an evil presence in our life, because he loved us so much that he wanted to create all of these bad things that happen in our life to show us where our strength lies. Wow. Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, I grew up in the church. Okay. Catholic hundred percent. And my grandparents were very, 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 um, Catholic. My parents were just very Catholic and they raised me and my brother's Catholic as well. My younger brother doesn't go to church. My older brother kind of like was like, I don't really like like this or agree with it. Um, Nick, my younger brother is spiritual. My older brother is not. Um, I just played the game. I was like, okay, my parents want me to go to church. I'll go to church. But then when I got confirmed at the age of 16, I stopped going to church. I would just go play basketball and then and tell my parents that I went to church and I would change my clothes and everything like that, right? So uh, when I was in eighth grade, we had to go to church in the middle of school. You know, it was one of the celebrations or something like that. And we had caused 
so much ruckus when we were in uh, when we were in church that the pastor actually came up to our classroom and berated us, yelled, screamed. That I've never heard a man scream like this before, and obviously it stuck in my head. Um, because I'm still talking about it, geez, man, four or 36, nearly 36, 37 years later. Um, but he said that we, we were the devil and he's like, you have the devil in you. You are the devil. And he just was like going on and on and on. And, and this is, this is the thing. Okay. Um, my my mom, when she was 55 or 56, she left the church, okay? And prior to that, she actually, and she felt very guilty for it, she divorced my father because he was alcoholic for nine years and refused to go to AA and then nearly killed my brother in a car accident, oh. okay? And he was still like, it's not my fault. And my brother, my younger brother was like, dad, you smelled, you reeked of alcohol, you know? Like, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I know what it smells like. Mm-hmm. You reeked of alcohol when you picked me up. And my mom did that to scare my dad. She left to scare my dad. And my dad was more afraid for his money. So he filed for divorce mm-hmm. and my mom was crushed. But, you know, for to see that two very devout Catholics to be like, okay, I'm not upholding this sanctity of marriage anymore. was just kind of like, that was wow. Number one, mm-hmm. then wow. Number two, my mom was going to a separate church and they closed the church down for like six months for renovations when she came back the the pastor was like look at you know we imported marble in from italy and look at this wood is very specific to zimbabwe and we had that flown in and cultivated and the renovations for a church that held less than 50 people was two million dollars and she was devastated she goes christopher i give more money than i can afford every single year or i'm sorry every single weekend to the church and she's like i feel like they used my money for the renovation rather than to help the people that need it most mm-hmm. and and she was devastated so she she never went stopped going to church okay and you know we're taught the all-seeing all-powerful god that you do anything wrong you're going to be judged at the gate and it's like everything like even with with covid right everything's fear 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 100%. everything's that stranglehold of control and there was a while where i i kind of got out of even you know jesus and and god and i was like you know what i'm an atheist because i just don't like this stuff i don't i don't like being controlled and i don't feel like that is something that an almighty powerful God, if you're his child, like, why would he be doing that? Mm-hmm. We're, we're taking like, okay, you did something bad. You were out past curfew. I'm going to punish you. And we're applying it to a deity, right? Mm-hmm. Just doesn't really make too much sense. And the more that I kept on re- reading the Bible and then finding out about the Dead Sea Scrolls and just how the Vatican doesn't recognize it, because allegedly in there, Jesus says, there shall be no structure resurrected in my name. And they're like, no, that, 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 that can't be something that Jesus said, right? But then if you look in the Bible, nearly every pen- penalty for, for a sin is stoning. So it's like, how, I don't see anybody in the church getting stoned these days. You have pastors and whatnot and, and priests that are um, raping young children, and they just get moved to another church per the movie Spotlight, right? Oh, yeah. So you're just kind of like scratching your head and you're like, 
I'm like, I just don't agree with all the contradictions. And I realize that it's human beings trying to put forth this message, but I was just like, I just don't like it. Okay. So I'm reading um, Greg Braden's book and uh, I come across this and it's, it's much more detailed than what I tried to paraphrase, paraphrase as quickly as possible, but can, can you succumb? Can you surrender to that message? He was saying, can't like, what if, okay. What if the devil is not somebody that is out to hurt you, but rather somebody that is showing you where your strength can lie. Mm. Okay. And, and, you know, I talked about this with my wife and I was like, babe, honestly, like I, and a book that I, I wrote, but it's just kind of, I guess you could say simmering or baking on my hard drive. Um, I, I put forth what I call, what I tell people, I go talk, talk to your significant other about life events. Okay. So I was talking to my wife and I said, what, what happens to the two of us? We have a two year and three month old daughter. Mm-hmm. And I said, what happens to the two of us if she dies? Nobody wants to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody wants to even think about something like that. And then you are woefully unprepared if something like that were to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, with I realize COVID doesn't affect children so much, but with the way the world is going today, human trafficking and whatnot, we live in a very wonderful um, development where you're like, nothing like that would ever happen around here, which makes you even more woefully <laughs> um, <clears throat> unprepared, right? But it's just kind of like, let's look at it from this perspective, okay? That if something like that were to happen, rather than this being just the most God-awful thing and me cursing, you know, Jesus or God or whatever, what if you could put forth the message, you know, thank you, Archangel Lucifer, for showing me where my strength is, Mm -hmm. right? And you become, basically, you become absolved from any attachment, right? And you can actually put forth this wonderful message of forgiveness. Um, have you ever seen the show Kidding with John Kerry? No. So he's kind of like a Mr. Rogers character, okay? He, he is this guy on this kid's television show. And you learn in the entire first season that his child was killed in a car accident. Something went wrong with the light and it showed green for both sides. So his wife is driving this way and here comes another car into the intersection. Kaboom. The wife, the the mother and the one child survived and where the car hit totally destroyed the young boy that was in the back. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you find out later on down the line that Jim Carrey is actually giving money to the guy that hit his his son and killed him because he also got injured in the accident, okay? And he's on disability. He was unable to work and he couldn't put his daughter into school anymore. And his his wife, him and his wife, they they divorced because his wife, like she was inconsolable and Jim Carrey was just like, you know, filled with love and forgiveness and hope and surrender and all of this stuff. 
And when she found that out, she just went off and she was like, how can you do this? And he's like, he's like defending the guy. He's like, he, he was on disability and he couldn't put his daughter through school anymore. Like we have more money than we know what to do with. We make millions of dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just giving him a couple thousand so he can put his kid into school, you know? And like, think about that message of compassion there mm-hmm. for, for a quick second, right? And it totally changes your perspective on life. It, it totally changes the vibration that you hold inside, right? One of resentment or, or contentment or, you know, spite or anything. All of that stuff just kind of melts away. Okay. So fascinating because, yeah. and it's so fascinating because I, I didn't know where it was going to go with it. And I love what you shared. So then if we go a little deep, what, like every relationship we have is an extension of our own with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So do we lack giving compassion to others because we don't practice that with ourselves? Sure. Absolutely. That's number one. And it leads me into the second point that I wanted to share with you from the book that absolutely blew my mind. Um, Greg Braden says, can you be in love enough with life to let anything that happens be okay? Mm. Right now, here's a quick, quick example. My, my daughter, two years old, three months. Okay. She's kind of in, uh, well, for the last four days, she went, when I was in Virginia beach, um, my wife went up with her family to see, um, family relatives in Chicago. So she took Emerson with her. Okay. So she had mommy for four days. Right. Mm -hmm. And then she comes back and she's just like, mommy, 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 mommy. And she's like, no daddy, no daddy, no daddy. Right. And I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. So I walk away and I'm just like, that's funny. Like she just wants her mom. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now that's how I handle that situation, right? With compassion and with understanding and with love and letting it be okay because she's a child. Mm -hmm. Now, when we get into this other mindset or, or mind form or thought form, right? What if my wife were to do that? Like, I just kind of wanted to snuggle up next to her last night and she's like, no, babe, no. Right. And she kind of like pushes me away. Mm -hmm. I'd be laying in bed and I'd be like, what the, like, what the F is this? Like, okay, fine. Like stories, right? Telling stories. Yeah. And then I'm, it's, everything's going through my mind. Like, what did I do wrong? And blah, blah, blah. Okay. But they're, they're the same situation. It's, it's a different person. Mm -hmm. Okay. But to me that that's apples and apples, not apples and oranges, but we'll look at it as, look at it as apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. And can I be in love enough with life to let whatever happens be okay? Right. And that to me is just another, uh, you know, it's like, it's not even like the, the, what do you call that? Um, the, like the fudge on top of the ice cream that, that that's like the sprinkles on top of the fudge. Like yes. the first one's the fudge. The second one's the sprinkles. It's like, can you have enough compassion um, to, to believe that whatever happens that's bad for you or that you would think is bad for you is actually showing you where your strength is? And then can you be in love enough with life that whatever happens is okay? And I'm getting to the point where 
I'm saying yes to both of those, okay, where I'm starting to work on things in my own life. I'm starting to work on myself in that realm to just let whatever happens be okay because I'm so in love with life. And if it's, if I, if I quote unquote, think that it's bad, it's showing me where my strength is. Right. And a lot of people, you know, my dad was the same shit, different day type of guy. How's everything going, dad? Oh, you know, it's the same, same old shit, Chris. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) You know, and it's just, it's a broken record. And then there are people that'll wake up and they're like, like, man, life sucks. It's and yes, like, yeah, it, you know, is everything being locked down and, and it, in, in my opinion, not having to be, does that suck? Yes. Mm-hmm. But can you still be so in love with life to let that be okay? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's kind of like, you know, you go back to Andy Dufresne in um, Shawshank Redemption, <sighs> where Every, they're like, you spent a month in the hole and, and it was the, uh, and it was the easiest time you ever did. And he said, yeah, because I had that music that I played in here and in here, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody just kind of looks at him like he's an alien. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, when I, when I'm watching movies or when I'm reading books, like I take, I take those messages I'm, I'm reading and I'm watching for information purposes and even though it's, it's a book or it's a movie, like I, I want to take that message if it fits my life. And if I can make the people around me better and make myself better, then I'll take that message and use it. You know, if there's utopian ideas in books or in uh, movies that just don't work out that well in life, then they get discarded. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But there will be people that will take messages. For instance, mine was fight club, you know, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a tough guy and um, I don't need anybody and I don't need anything. And I'm going to be a minimalist and just shop at Amvets or, or Goodwill. And I'm not going to buy anything new because I don't need anything. Well, that served me for a little bit while I was single, but that doesn't serve me very well now that I have a family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to look and, and be like, you guys are only allowed two different types of garments. You can only have two pairs of pants, two shirts, two shorts, and they all have to be black <laughs> yes. and, and two pairs of socks. And they can, they can only be black. That's all you can have. That, that doesn't serve me very well. Right. Mm-hmm. But that was definitely like in a cult movie for a lot of people. Very much so. Yeah. That so. is a, that's so fascinating about compassion. And I love where that conversation went because I think we've seen a lot of that this year. We see there's definitely two sides of the spectrum of what we're seeing with how people are responding. Sure. And I have seen people who they're in just my opinion, their life hasn't been drastically affected yet. They are so angry at where life is at. And I have seen people whose lives have been extremely affected and be optimistic and positive. So it's interesting watching, like just watching human spirit and human, human interaction and realizing it. And I love that question. I think that we are so attached to the outcomes and we have so much expectation for how things are supposed to unfold. Yeah. 
if it doesn't go according to this picture we have in our head, then there's something wrong, which part of where my entire platform came from is the fact that um, what do you do when the plan doesn't go according to plan, which is always like, which is always, it doesn't go right. according to plan. It's how do you respond when it doesn't go the way you think it should? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, now a lot of, this, go ahead. A, a, a lot of people struggle with that. Oh, it's yeah. It, because it's like that we, we have, we have these preconceived notions of how life is supposed to go. Yes. You know, and one of the things that I learned from the SEALs that I was working with over the weekend is that you need to know how to adapt in any situation. And these guys are given the toughest missions under the toughest circumstances, and they're expected to it, it just be like a walk in the park, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times things don't go as planned, right? So what do you do? Mm-hmm. It's, it's also kind of like what Rocky said. Um, he was like everything or li- life is all, all rosy until you get punched in the face, yeah. you know? And then it, it's just kind of like, yeah, like life is great, but then something bad happens. And it's like, do you go, go off on a tangent? Do you just go off this cliff, you know, and you're inconsolable and you're just like right back to like, God hates me and um, life sucks and, and, you know, mm-hmm. everything like that. Or, you know, are, are you trying to live this message of compassion? I, so is this something that I would love to, for you to share more of who you are and what you do, and you're talking about the seals and this is so fascinating, this level of compassion that you're talking about, is this also something that you have always been, or do you, did you change and grow into this version? Um, it, I believe that it's something that I've always been okay, but, uh, I would not let it be the dominant operating system in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where now I'm in a much better life position to let that dominant program nice. load and, and, and operate nice. from, okay. Mm-hmm. So yes. And I believe that everybody everybody has certain levels of compassion in them, right? Um, for instance, every time they show that dog commercial on, on, the, uh, on the TV, where it's like just two cents a day, just two cents, you know? And it's like, you can't tell me that even some guys that are like, you know, hardened criminals wouldn't Don't look feel. and be like, be like, dang, man, that's messed up. You know, like, look at that dog. Yes. Type of thing that that's compassion right there. And and this guy's on life or uh, he's, he's got life with no parole because he killed like six people or something. Um, so yeah, I mean, everybody has the ability to have compassion. It's just, you know, and when you, when you talk about when you start, when you start talking about this, like asking like what, what I do and everything like that, um, really, I started off in health and wellness back when I was 19. I read the National Strength and Conditioning Association textbook in a week. And I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. Like, I want to help people through weights, through nutrition, um, but more specifically athletes, right? So I got my CSCS and um, I told myself that I was going to be the Navy SEAL uh, of trainers. Like, I just wanted to know a lot about everything and 
not just be a jack of all trades, master of none. I wanted to master every single one of them. And there have been things that have happened in my life that have helped me do that. You know, I, I started to get into a really bad position with my nutrition and it was affecting my ability even to just stay awake for like four hours at a time. I would have extreme flatulence, terrible diarrhea. And like, this is in my twenties, right? This is in, in like my mid twenties. And then I would get a full eight hours of sleep at night. And then I would wake up or I, I would eat lunch at 11 30, 12. And I would have to take a nap for like an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I would finish with work. And before I wanted to go and train, I had to take another nap for an hour. Oh, wow. And I mean, I mean, I remember sometimes like driving to work and I just, I couldn't wait to eat my lunch take that 30 minute nap and then, and then start my day at the, at the physical therapy clinic. And I would go in one of the rooms, close and lock the door and keep the light off, stuff a towel underneath and it would be pitch black in there. And I would lay back on the table. And before my head hit the table, I was out, you know, I was out and I'm like, I'm 27 years old. Like, why don't I have any energy? Mm-hmm. And, and then it was my knee pain. My knee pain was a constant presence in my life. It was at a 10 every single day, no matter what I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to loosen up my muscles. And I got to find out where this pain is coming from. I I probably paid, you know, practitioners $30,000 to figure it out, but nobody could. Mm -hmm. So I broke down one day after a hundred mile bike race that I did. I was watching football. I had a beer in my hand that I felt so sorry for myself that I just started crying. And when I got done crying, I was like, you know what? I got to figure this out myself. Mm -hmm. And that led me into figuring out my own pain so I could help other people with it too. Wow. And now that I'm, I'm 42 years old and I've gotten so much figured out in the health and wellness space, you know, I've been on this mission of like self-improvement for, I would probably say the last 12 to 13 years. Mm-hmm. So now that I've mastered so much about the mind and the body, I'm really trying to master my own spirit. And one of the great things that Greg Braden says, he goes, you know, people want to say that there's, that there's spiritual and there's non-spiritual work here on earth. But the fact of the matter is that we're all spiritual beings. So it's spiritual work all the time. All the time. And we just don't, yeah, we just, we don't see it like that. I'm going to be a good Christian or a Catholic and go to church a one hour on Sunday you know, but then as soon as I'm going out of the parking lot, I'm flipping somebody off because they're not letting me get out and right. Or, or something like that. So, um, well, there, there goes the spirit work, right? It's just, it's one hour once a week, one one hour, once a week on Sundays and, and that's it. (laughs) So, oh, it's very, very difficult. Look, it's simple. It's not easy right? It's simple. It's not easy. Let everything, everything that happens to you in your life be okay because you're so in love with life and everything that's happening to you is a spiritual lesson because we are spiritual beings. You're you're a spirit before you're born, your spirit after you die. Why wouldn't everything that's happening to us every second of the day also be part of our spiritual experiences or, or, or our life experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. I love what you're saying. I, I, I do. I love 
all the spirit talk because it's just, I believe that we are very spiritual and how we respond to everything that is happening to us is what is dictating our life. It's not the events that are happening. It's right. how we are responding to all of it. That is what's dictating. So what kinds of tips could you give somebody how to master their own spirit? What would be some of the thoughts you would have? Medi- meditation. Mm-hmm. I meditate for an hour every morning. Okay. So does my wife. If you are, uh, if you are married or have a significant other, even if you're boyfriend and girlfriend and you're thinking about marrying the boy or the girl, or if your fiancés or whatever, it's not going to work if one person does it and the other one does. Okay. Um, you're going to grow apart. Mm-hmm. All right. So when I met my wife and I started meditating, I was like, I, I want you to do this with me. And she was all for it. She was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's do it. So every morning for an hour, we meditate together. And it's one of the most rewarding things that I think has helped our relationship because we don't, we don't really argue to the point of trying to find like, I'm right or you're right. Not even arguing to the point of what's right. We, we, we talk, we have a discussion. And within two minutes, it's completely solved and squashed. And now, okay, on to the present moment, mm-hmm. right? Where there are people that will harbor that anger or, or keep that tension in their body for, for literally years, mm-hmm. you know? And, and something, you're, you're married for seven years and something happens and you're bringing up something that happened seven years ago, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and it's just like, you cannot... Think about it from a position of, of just if you don't fix a flat tire on your car for seven years, think about how much work that's going to be for you to blow up your tire every morning or before you want to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's eventually going to wear down and you're just going to get sick and tired. Blowing well, air. Yeah, blowing, blowing the tire up with air. And you're just, you're going to go and get a new tire. Well, you unfortunately can't go get a new husband or wife. I mean, technically you can, it's just going to cost you a lot of money and time again, but you know, don't you kind of want, like, don't you just kind of want to like patch that tire up? Don't, don't you just kind of want to say like, you know, this really bothered me. Can we talk about it? And I just want to put it, put it past us, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and as the significant other, it should be like, okay, yeah, like, you know, there are some times where my wife calls me out on my stuff and I'm just kind of like, okay, because I, and I, because I know she's right when they're, when other people, especially, you know, other men, they'll push back on that mm-hmm. and, and they'll be like, get off my back, stop being a, you know what? And like, so on and so forth. And when it's like, it's like, dude, it's your problem. Yeah. Like it's, it's your problem. Somebody else is trying to help you. You're just, you're too dense and egotistical and lacking in compassion, even for yourself to want to absorb that message. Mm-hmm. So you put up that wall, right? And, and you just, it's like, push back. Let me, that's just going to bounce right off me, you know? And uh, I have a very good friend that is in uh, the SEAL teams that I saw this weekend after I was working with the former SEALs and we started talking about meditation and he said, yeah, bro, you know, I started, I, I do it about a half hour a day mm-hmm. where I wake up, 
I go someplace really quiet before anybody else is up. And he said, I just, I sit with my, with my thoughts for a half hour. And he said something that I was just so happy when he said it, but he goes now, a lot of times when my wife is talking or my kids are bothering me, rather than being so reactive, he said, I actually just let it pass right through me. And he goes, when it, when I let it pass right through me, he's like, I can't believe how much better I feel and how much better I can like cohabit with my family. And he said that actually makes me a better leader in the SEAL teams because honestly, it's harder for me to try and control my family than it is for the guys that actually have to listen to me. Mm -hmm. He's like, so I started to get to the point or to get to the place where I actually thank my family for being like that because they make me a better leader when somebody's life is on the line. And I was like, Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's like the best thing that I have ever heard um, somebody say in a a very long time, you know, Uh, and and I was, I was so happy for him. That's really, really good. I love how um, I just love that. And it made me think of, I just, I had a quote on the weekend that I reshared that stuck with me, but it's observing without reacting is what allows us to actually change our habits. Sure. So it's sure, it's the yeah. reaction, right? It's when we are in that state of reaction, we're wasting so much energy and it's not changing anything. We're going to be celebrating, it's going to be 28 years. We'll be married this year. And it certainly wasn't without a number of challenges. There's no question. But we had we've got to a space where it's like there's you don't get to bring up something that happened back here because if you didn't right deal with that, then that's yours. Like that's yours to deal with. So it's really powerful to learn how to move past that. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people want to say, don't act, right? Because acting is unconscious. You want to react. And I like to go one step further and say, don't act or react. I want you to reflect. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when my wife does something or says something, like, like I said, like she'll call me out instead of even just being like, okay, I'm just going to let that pass through me and ignore her or whatever she said and go about my day. Like I'll pause and I'll be like, yeah, I do that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's so good. That's so good to say that. No, it is because we have to admit we'll have our moments, right? My husband will say something and I'm like, yeah, I totally did that. That was, yeah, that was me. I apologize. That was me. Sorry about yeah. that. And that's, yeah. and that's all you got to say. And it's like, wow, like what a great relationship, mm-hmm. you know, like what a, what a great life this is just owning up to your own stuff. And, and all of a sudden it's like, you have the most rewarding relationship in the world. Mm-hmm. Like who would have thought, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's just, it, like I said, everybody's just so resistive. So lacking of compassion, not only for other people, but themselves. And it's like, just by having that, that one little bit of, of compassion and not sparking this into a major blowout, you get to have a fantastic day. And that, that's what we all want. Absolutely. Right. Um, there was a quote that I saw on Twitter that made me snicker and it said, um, we don't understand the limitations of ourself because we don't understand the self. <laughs> that's deep. Right. And, and when you think about something like that, you know, somebody will be like, well, I'm not good at math. 
or I'm not good at reading, or I just don't read very fast, or I can't speak another language. And you're kind of like, you don't understand the self. So how are you paying um, limitations on the self? Mm -hmm. How are you putting limitations on the self? It's because you don't understand the self. So Mm -hmm. when you start to dig a little bit deeper and understand yourself a little bit more, maybe you can find out that you actually do have a knack for languages or mathematics or race car driving or whatever, you know? Um, so I thought that that was another great little tidbit. That's really good. Now, how does it take, so be, taking that philosophy and that work that you do, mm-hmm. how does that work with, say, when you are working with SEALs or how does, mm-hmm. what does that look like? The amount of pain that they have endured is beyond anything else that I've experienced in this world. So when you have compassion for that, it's, it's what they're looking for because compassion leads to understanding or they perceive that compassion as understanding. So, you know, I'm working with some guys and they've been having pain in the same area for 10 to 15 years. And after five minutes of working with them, they already feel better. And they're like, you know, my neck would be bothering me right now in this position, but it doesn't. Wow. So when, when you start to, and and, you know, like, it's not, it's not like, oh, I feel sorry for you type of thing. It's almost kind of like, like I, like I barely know you, I, I barely know you but I love you like you are my brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and you're in good hands mm-hmm. and I'm go- not going to do any harm. And like the one guy was just like, I'm terrified of anybody touching my neck. And then by the end of the, the, the session, I mean, I, I literally had him on his stomach and I was taking my, my hand with, with a little bit of lotion and I was just grinding those splenous muscles. Okay from, from his middle back all the way up to the back of his skull, you know? And he just like, he got done and he was just walking and moving around. And he's like, I feel better than I've ever felt. Like, I can't remember when, and you know, I was still texting him today and everything like that. And he's like, I feel, I feel amazing. So it's, you know, not looking at people like a dollar sign. It's not looking at people even like a client. Mm -hmm. Um, there are a lot of times when I'm working on people, whether it's a guy or a girl, when, when I'm, I'm working on them and I can tell that they're, you know, just completely motionless and they're really trying to let me just do my work where I'll say silently in my mind, like, I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nothing sexual or homosexual no. or whatever. All, all it is, is when I start to put forth those emotions of compassion or love, we are all antennas for frequency, right? And you can't tell me that you don't notice when somebody walks in a room pissed off and that you can't feel that tension. Mm -hmm. So why, why wouldn't you be able to feel that love or feel that compassion, right? You, You do, maybe it's a little bit more subtle and it doesn't, you know, raise, raise flags right away. But when you're, when you are working with the human body, it's all energy work you're, you're talking to the fascia, the, the, the cells of that person's fascia are getting used to the cells of mine. And it, even if they're not holding themselves with love or compassion, 
then I can at least do it for them. Mm -hmm. Right. There's so much power there in what you've said. And I love, I mean, we have a mutual friend in Suru and I learned so much. She helped me. She's a good friend and we, we co-host a podcast together and she helped me so much last year as I prepped for surgery Mm -hmm. because there was a part of me that was almost angry that I felt like my body had let me down and I didn't understand. And then the other part of me understanding what I could do, what I could do for breathing, what I could do to help myself and be grateful and see myself coming through this stronger than ever. And the two would compete almost against each other. But I really got to a space of knowing this is happening for me. This is Mm -hmm. a blessing. I, I will come out of this stronger. And it was so much mindset but I'm so grateful that she did so much work with me before surgery because I could see things differently. I was able to shift that anger and frustration because, you know, as you go and it sounds silly, but as you go through workouts and I'm spent so many years as a kinesiologist form is everything. I watch people doing a workout and I'm like, Oh my God, like some of the forms are horrendous. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you don't have any problem And here. I'm trying to do good form and my body's completely breaking down. But yeah. that anger only hurts me. It doesn't hurt anyone else. So it's right. recognizing that. Right, right. What are you, you going to get mad for catching a ball and going through a fence, you know, right. 40, 40 years ago? Like, right. I'm going to go find that fence and give it hell. It's just, you know? But it's, it's amazing. Like if you, and you've said it so well, when you have something, if you have something happen in your day early and you're so pissed off about it that you stew about it and you stew all day long because you can't wait mm-hmm. to go back and tell your significant other about the person who cut you off in traffic. You are right. physically holding on to that anger, that resentment, that stress, that energy all day long, multiple yeah. days in a row. Yeah, that, that moment never dies. So I tell people when you meditate, in, in more in particular, when you meditate in the morning, it's like taking out your emotional garbage. Okay. And Kyle, Kyle Cease um, is real big into meditation and he, he, I I use a program. He just sits with with his thoughts for an hour or two. And he says, you know, I just, I sit there and I watch the shit show. And he's like, it's just absolutely hilarious to me. He's like some of the things that my brain thinks about and some of the thoughts that arise Like I just, because he used to be a comedian before he's like, I get so inquisitive and I'm like, where is that coming from? And it led to one of his revelations. Like, do you even know where your thoughts are coming from? Do you even know why you're thinking what you're thinking? And I I posed this question to the guys that I was working with this yesterday, the past couple of days, and nobody could answer. Nobody could answer where those thoughts or feelings were coming from. So then I just looked and I said, why do you take them so serious? Mm. You know, and they're like, they want to kind of like hem and haw. And, and I said, I'm like, no, you know, and it was funny because the work that I do is so right on the Instagram lives. It was in one of the very first couple of Instagram lives. Somebody was like, you're so great, man. Like you don't take this pain thing serious at all. And I was like, no, because I don't care who is out there. I really don't think anybody's been in more pain than I ever have. I mean, like I said, every day for 14 years, both of my knees were at a 10, you know, and I just, I just kept on going. Maybe there are other people that have had more pain. I don't want to be insensitive, but um, 
I started to learn not to take my pain so serious. Mm-hmm. And that's what helped me in that battle. Mm-hmm. You know, so it doesn't matter. Like when people come and see me, they could literally be pushed up my driveway on a gurney. And I'd just be like, hey, how you doing? Not too good, right? All right, let's get to work. You know, let's let's find out what's going on in that in that silly body of yours. And oh. that just that just kind of like breaks the ice of, of like, I mean, there are studies galore that show how you can actually improve biological markers of health, like um, blood pressure and, and whatnot, just by watching a funny movie, mm-hmm. just, just by laughing, by sitting down and laughing for five minutes, you can release all these endorphins and, and like feel good, you know, enzymes and proteins and whatnot and, and hormones and like your, your heart is happy. You maybe even increased lung volume and your, your liver maybe got rid of, you know, some of the cirrhosis that it's developing from all your drinking and like all this stuff just from laughing. Right. And it's just, it's, it's kind of like, like, why don't, why don't you want to do that? Because you believe everything you think as the God awful truth. Okay. Or the God, God honest truth, whichever one you want to look at it. And you take your pain and life and everything so seriously mm-hmm. that there's no room to operate with any other acknowledgement other than your own. Right. So good. Seriously. It's so good. So basically what you're saying is that my 10 minutes a day of watching reels of dog videos is really important because <laughs> it makes yeah. me laugh. And yeah. I just, sometimes I just break out laughing and my husband's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is my, this is my entertainment. I, I just yeah. love to watch anything that will make me laugh out loud like that. I, it's just really important to put it into yeah. my day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so awesome. Okay. So tell us about So Right. What is, I know you're live every day. Yep. Are you live every day? Okay. Yeah. Tell us about yeah. this. Every day, typically every day. Sometimes if I'm traveling, I won't be live, but um, it, it's majority of the time it's five days a week. Sometimes it's only four, mm-hmm. but so right was developed by a gentleman that realized there was a need in the mobility market for a tool that released the psoas muscle. Okay. So he developed it and I bought it in 2017 when it first launched because I immediately recognized the genius of it. I used it for three months, fixed most of my problems, and then gave it to one of my athletes who was also having chronic hip flexor issues. Well, he just so happens to go on Joe Rogan a couple months later and mentions the so right and literally like catapulted these guys into, um, having a very, very, very successful business. Okay. They were doing like three orders a week prior to that. And then all of a sudden, like uh, 30,000 orders came in all at once. And they were just like, (laughs) okay, can't 3d print these anymore. We actually have to go get a mold and we got to get a patent and (laughs) we got to protect this, this machine now. Um, So fast forward to the pandemic allegedly the pandemic Mm -hmm. coming about and uh, they moved from California to Miami. Well, the fighter that I work with, his camp is down here in Miami and they saw that he was at his camp. So they reach out to him and they're like, Hey man, we'd like to have lunch with you and just thank you and blah, blah, blah. So they have lunch and 
when my um mike was like okay i gotta go i i have a appointment with my soft tissue guy and they're like oh we love soft tissue work who do you go to and he's like actually this is the guy that gave me the so right and they're like <laughs> like what <laughs> so i love how the universe works yeah so they they call me up for a couple of an appointments and i get them in and i'm working on them and these guys are just they're they're so they're, they're such great people Okay. And I was like, wow, you know, a couple of bachelors, the, um, the one guy's 37 or 38, I think. And the other guy's 47 or 46. Um, and I'm like, you know, you would figure them to be kind of pretentious or something like that because they're so successful. Uh, but they came in and they listened and they loved my work. They, you know, bought everything that I recommended them to buy in order to help their bodies get better. And then we started hanging around. They were having dinner over at my house. We were going down to dinner at their house or pool parties in, in Miami. And we developed just like a really great relationship. And then they ended up just making me an offer I couldn't refuse and being like, you know, we need you to help people understand how to use our products. Like we want people to get better we want them to just live so right every single day, be happy and be healthy. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, sounds good. And I pretty much, so I pretty much don't do that much body work anymore on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, my number one, um, not goal, my, my number one job right now, I guess you could say is uh, helping people understand how the so right works and helping them become their own best therapist. I love that. I've been watching some of the videos and I'll make sure everything is connected in the show notes, but Great, I love, cool. I, yeah, I love the concept of it. And I think it's, you and I were chatting before we even started recording. It's just so important to give people tools for how they can right. be like, take care of themselves, be their best. It's not just about popping in for a therapy appointment once or twice a week. Clients used to say to me, do I have to keep doing this mobility work every day? And I'm like, yes. You need to do some, yeah. or, yes, you do. Yeah. And it's, and that was my own advice that I had to take is that yes, yes, you do. If you want to live your best self, your best life work through as we age, as we change, yes, some form yeah. of mobility work is required every day. Yeah. They're, you know, um, one of the things that I've come to realize is that they're lazy. Okay. And it's mm -hmm. not their fault because we are not taught how to maintain our body's structure, specifically this beautiful, beautiful fascial web, which is basically the only thing that allows us to move and our, our only basis for life. We're not taught that we need to maintain it. So when you get into pain, it's fatiguing. When you're trying to get out of pain, it's fatiguing. And you're like, like the seals say, the only easy day was yesterday, right? You're, you're looking for that, like, where's that easy day? Where's that day where I can just take off, okay, from the fatigue or from the pain? Mm -hmm. And really, there, there isn't. To me, there isn't. Like, I still, I work on my body every single day with, with all the so right tools and a couple other things that I have just because I don't want that pain coming back, right? right? So that, to me, like, the pain should be the ultimate motivator, but for a lot of people, they're getting tired, they're getting fatigued, and they're frustrated. And 
that just translates into laziness. Like, I just don't want to do anything anymore. Like it's too much. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, like this is being human. This is, this is being human. You know, like Andrea and I say, my my wife and I say, like, we can't take a day off from parenting. No. Right. Like, even though our, 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 um, our nanny is here uh, Monday through Thursday, any chance we get, you know, we are popping in and just making sure that Emerson is doing her best. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can hear her kind of being fussy with, with the nanny, oh no, that's hurt for her to deal with. You know, no, we both, and it's like, it's funny because my office is on one of the house, hers is on the other. And it's like, you know, I come walking out and she's already walking out and then we kind of like converge and we're like, we're like, baby, like, no, no, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. it, you, you can't be like that. Like you need to listen to Nana and you need to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you can already see it working because there are a lot of times where she doesn't get what she wants and she's kind of like, okay. And then she just goes off and plays, you know, rather than e- either giving in every single time, refusing to parent, you know, or hearing that, oh, okay, she's being unruly with Nana. Like, we'll, we'll just let Nana deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot, you just, you can't, you take a day off and it's like taking a week off. You take a week off of any type of mobility or working on yourself or working on your body. And it's like taking a month off. Right. Yeah. It's so good what you're saying. And I love it in a sense. Um, I know my husband would definitely resonate with what you're saying. He's done a lot of um, competitions as a CrossFit, as a CrossFit masters athlete. Okay. And he coaches at the same time. And when he demonstrates movements, like, especially they were doing like squat snatches the other day. So for anybody who's not listening, like squat snatches, when you watch it in a class, it's like, you can just pinpoint ankle, ankle, hip. You can see all the mobility yeah. issues. And people are like, well, how do you get mobility like that? He goes, cause I do it every day. Like, and he literally yeah. does mobility every day. And I think sometimes people wait so long, right? We wait so long until pain is a real issue. Right. And then sometimes it's a motivator. And sometimes it's a complete deterrent when pain comes in. But if we as humans could look at it and go, do I want to live my best life? I want to be functional. Then it requires effort on my part. Yeah. Yeah. So that same pain, that same emotional pain that's operating in the background before you blow up at your significant other, it's the same physical pain operating in the background that doesn't show up until it's finally had it too. Mm -hmm. When, When your fascia and your brain and your nerve and your muscle are finally like, okay, I'm at wit's end mm-hmm. with, with this. Then you start feeling the pain. So people will come to me and people who are in tune with their body, they'll be like, I know the exact day that my pain started. It was August 13th of 2020. And I say, no, it probably started 10 to 15 years before that. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, let's get in there and check it out. You know? And then we, we have like, there's like a hockey puck in, in their glute or, or their lower back, or there's like a cell phone sized adhesion in their, in their thigh. And I go, you really, you think that, 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 that occurred, that, that, that developed in one night or in one day. Right. And they're, and they're like, yeah, probably not. (laughs) No, it didn't. It didn't. That's that, that's, that's so good. And such a great explanation. And it is work but it's so worth it if you want to be able to do the things that you want to do. Like I, I, that is always my motivator is that I want to be able to do exactly what I want to do and physically not be limited because of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
So good. So all the things that you do, and this is a big question, what impact do you want to create in the world? Oh, that's a good, that's a really good question. Because you have a lot of facets of what you do. I would almost, I would almost say that I don't really like the answer that's kind of, that's kind of like coming out of me is that I'm kind of done making an impact on the world. Because when you look at making an impact on the world, you would, some people would kind of tie that to like an end or an end justifying the means or a means justifying the ends or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already feel like I'm successful. I, I really don't need anything else that I need to work towards. Mm-hmm. Besides, I would probably say um, cultivating my, my daughter and, and having her become a productive, intelligent member of society. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, having said that, there is still a tremendous amount of work that I have to do. Okay. And most of it is contained within so right. And the impact that I really do want to make, I I know that this sounds kind of bad, but it it honestly is to diminish. It's I, I, and I'm trying to look for the correct political words as I'm saying this, but I would like to diminish the role that medicine has in the role of getting rid of getting rid of joint or soft tissue injuries. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the impact that I would like to make on the world professionally, but I really feel like in some aspects, I've already done that with my books and obviously with my work with So Right and everything, the job's not done. So the impact is, is still already in play. Mm-hmm. But I, when I was speaking with the former SEALs this weekend, I said, you know, what I would really like to see happen is let's say 20 years from now, we're all standing around at a party and I'm like, Joe over there, you say, man, you know, like my shoulder's been killing me. I got to go see the doctor. And we all just kind of like look at each other and we start laughing and we're like, what, what, what are you going to go see a doctor for, for your shoulder? Like, don't you want to go to like a soft tissue specialist? Don't you want to go to a structural therapist? Don't you want to like, you got to get soft tissue work done on, on, on your fascia, man. Like that's what you need. You don't need pills. You don't need mm-hmm. surgery. You don't need, um, or, or, or a shot. You don't need drugs, uh, a shot or surgery like you need to go and get some soft tissue work done, bro. You're obviously your system's stressed out, you know, or you had an injury and you've just been ignoring it and it's getting worse and worse and worse. So that is what I would like to happen is 10 to 20 years from now, people just being like, if I wake up with pain, going to the doctor is not my first thought. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's getting pressure somewhere in my system to, to kind of act as a relief valve for that, for that pain. I love that. You are then empowering people mm-hmm. to take their health in their hands. Oh yeah. You helping have them. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it because I think that that is, I, I agree. I think that's very much a missing piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one's going to fix it for you. No one's going to come in and do it for you. You have to do and take that responsibility for yourself in order 
to be your best version in whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. I will make sure all of your information is linked in the show notes so that everybody knows where to find you. But I have one key question for you. That's um, my last question is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Um, what lesson in life am I most grateful for? That's very easy. Uh, it would definitely have to be my divorce that I went through. Mm-hmm. That was an absolutely amazing life. It was the best life and business lesson I got all at the same time. And one of the, um, one of the things that Greg Braden also talks about in the book of compassion the book on compassion, he talks about the, the seven mirrors, okay? Um, the, the seven Essene mirrors. And one of them is going through something that, or, or going through your greatest fear, okay? And when my parents split up, I was like, you know, I'm never gonna let that happen. And what I realized is that became kind of like a subconscious program that I don't want to, my greatest fear is to either be like my mom and dad or be like my parents. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when I got married the first time I was like, I'm never going to get divorced. And I talked to my former wife about this too. Well, when I had um, my CrossFit facility, I woke up one day and found out that she was dating one of my members. Oh, and, and you're kind of like, you're kind of like, that's not how marriage works. No, it's not. I, I sat back immediately and I was like, okay, where did I go wrong? Like, what did I do rather than, you know, going off the flying off the handle. So I sat down with her and what she was saying didn't make any sense. So immediately I knew that it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the second thing that I did was I started to read a whole bunch of books on, self-improvement or self-help and self-awareness and whatnot. It led me to a book called Polishing the Mirror by Ram Dass. And when I finished that book, I woke up the next day and the first thing that came to my mind was meditation vacation. So that is, I took a meditation vacation in Assisi, Italy, okay, for I think it was 10 days, a week, 10 days, something like that. And that is what catapulted me into, into meditation. And, you know, I mean, there, there have been times throughout that whole process where it's been the hardest that I've ever cried in my entire life. Mm-hmm. It's been the most hopeless that I felt in my entire life. Um, it's been the most, I don't want to be alive or I don't want to be living time in my entire life. And then all of a sudden I had an epiphany when I was walking back from a grocery store in the middle of the night um, on a Friday. And I realized that every time I broke up with a girl, the next girl that I, I got to be with was, was better. It was like a level up or like a step up. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? I was like, this is just, you know, a really long drawn out breakup. That's going to cost me a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. But if the future is every, is anything like the past, the next girl that I meet is going to be much better than anything that this one was. So the very next day, um, my ex-wife, she was still my wife at the time. She comes into the gym acting all crazy. 
And I just looked at her and I said, I want you to get a mediator. We're getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. And she's like, is there anything? That's it. Is there anything else you have to say to me? Nope. And if you can't find one, let me know because I already have one picked out. Mm -hmm. And that was it after that. And, you know, um, I haven't spoken to her at all since we went through that process and whatnot. But what that did after I was able to release all of that, you know, despair and energy and negativity surrounding what I feel was a self-limiting thought, you know, like, oh, if I get, I'm damaged, if I get divorced or something like that, when I, when I changed my thought process surrounding that, my entire life changed, not only for my business, but also, you know, I, I found the girl that I'm really supposed to be with. Mm -hmm. And we have, like, I, I wake up every day. And if you, at that point, if you were to tell me life could be this good, I'd probably punch you in the throat. Yeah. You know, and now I wake up every single day and the way that I've cultivated my life from the lessons that I learned at that time, um, like I said, it's been the best life and business decision I've ever had, I've ever made. Thank you for sharing that because you have a very, you have a, a, an incredible way of perspective that you're able to shift that. And I think that that is something that a lot of people would benefit from learning how to do. And I want to ask you how, since this whole podcast is on your choices on your life, have you always been in that state of ownership or is that something that you learned over time? No, I always have. And I don't know why I really don't know how, but I mean, even like I said on the form to fill out for your podcast, like I really don't regret anything in my life. It's And if I do, uh, it's so trivial that I can't even think of anything still to this day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like I just, there is nothing, nothing in my life that, that I regret at, at all. Um, because I know that consciously or subconsciously I had a hand in creating that moment. Right. And like you said, people won't take ownership. They will not take ownership of that. No, no, no. How could I even be remotely at fault in this situation, it was my evil sister and that's how she's always been. And it's just kind of like, no, man, no, you know, whatever you're thinking and whatever your dominant thought is on, on every single day, like that is what you are going to manifest in your life. So if you're constantly thinking about your evil sister, your sister's going to do something evil to you and mm-hmm. you're going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. You're going to put yourself in the place in that perfect place and time to make it happen. And they're not, people just aren't thinking about it like that. You know, um, everything to them is, is still separate. Mm-hmm. It's no, I think you're exactly right. We tend to, we bring about what we think about. And if we're always thinking about when like this person who always screws me does something wrong, they're just going to do it again. That's all you're thinking about. And that's, yeah. and I know that's a vicious cycle to break. Um, I, I fully say openly, like for me, when I learned ownership, it literally saved my life. A hundred percent saved my life. I spent my life trying to change everything around me. And as soon as I realized that it was like, oh, that's not mine to change. Oh, wait, that's not mine to change either. Oh, but 
I can't blame anyone for where my life is at because that's on me. Like that is me that has to do that. It was, it was life changing and it literally changed everyone else around me without me trying to change anyone because everyone started to realize that you can make changes in your own life too. You just have to make a decision that you're going to do something different. Yeah. Imagine if everybody had that mindset, like blame would completely disappear. I know. Forgiveness. There would be nobody to forgive except for yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a pretty cool world. It would be a very cool world. And I think it's, I think this is relevant regardless of what your story is. This is relevant because we see this play out every day in our life, every day in our life. I was in a store the other day and the one girl was like, okay, let me come over here and pay at this till because we're having a really bad time with this customer. And this customer is losing it on the person who's working there. She's trying so hard to do And she's like, can you believe he's acting like that? And I'm like, who knows what's going on in his day? I hope that you're able to like, don't take it personally because that level of behavior, there's something going on with him that is not reflective of you. Like be able to see it from different sides instead of join the anger and this, the fear bandwagon, just be able to step back and look at it and go, you know, how people react is literally about them. It's, it's, it's really what they're carrying. It has so little to do with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you so much for this conversation. I loved how deep and personal it was. And there's so much that you shared regarding compassion that I know is going to resonate with a lot of people. So very grateful awesome. for our connection. Thank you so much. No, I'm yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much as well. Um, I appreciate everything and uh, I wish everybody the best. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.